lights, camera, action. is coming. Welcome to Mixed Take, a world outspoken podcast where we discuss how the mixing of cultures and heritages in the U.S. influence film, television, and other forms of media and entertainment. I am Robert Rivera. And I'm Dani Alicea. Uh, I wanted to kick off today's episode a little bit differently. Just a quick recap of this season on Mixed Take, um, we're addressing one simple question, and it's where are all the brown people in fantasy and sci-fi and comics, basically the otherworldly genres? Um, One would think that worlds birthed from the imaginations of amazingly creative, talented people would think up some pretty cool, diverse characters, Um, but that's not what we really see. So um, these worlds are often riddled with white male leads, one or two token-ish support casts um, that are people of of color, and then maybe a woman or two thrown in uh, for good measure. And then if it's a Latina, you better be sure that she is going to bring the sex appeal. it, for me, it's like, where is the complexity? Where are, you know, the diverse languages and cultures and foods and clothes and all all the beautiful things that we enjoy about and, and applaud in different cultures? Um, so today is a really cool day where we get to talk about um, a show that is near and dear to my heart. Uh, dragon fire breathing, Valyrian steel wielding, wonderful world of Westeros. As we dig into it, it's it's one of my favorite shows of all time. But essentially, we're we're really kind of um, these these conversations are coming from a very specific place of where are the brown people in these shows that we really love. Donnie, I feel like since we began the show, you've been making references. Mm-hmm to Game of Thrones. This is your oh. episode. This is the thing you've been waiting for for a couple of seasons now, almost you know, two and a half seasons yeah. ago. You've been referencing the show, and we have said very little about it. Yeah. So we're expecting you to bring on <laughs> the Dracarys. Wait, how do, you, how do you say that? Yeah, Dracarys. <laughs> Definitely one of my favorite shows of all time. Potentially the best show in cinematic history. Whoa, whoa. I mean, we'll talk about it. Dem Thrones for for y'all throwback people. It, in preparation for this show, I watched all you know, rewatched all eight seasons over a couple of weeks, and that my only regret with Game of Thrones is that we didn't have a podcast at the time that the show was released. So I was like, oh man, I would have loved to after each episode chop it up with Rob and talk about, you know, what we really enjoyed, uh, where were some misses, character development, where the storyline was going. There's so many unexpected twists and turns that it would it would have been a lot of fun. No, for real. Uh, but Rob, before you give us your quick take, can you let our viewers and listeners know um, what we say to the God of Death? Not today. Can you can you let our, our viewers and listeners know if there are going to be any spoilers in this episode? So if watchers and listeners well, have never seen Game of Thrones. I'll say this. There may be spoilers. Okay. Maybe Fair not. <laughs> we'll, we'll go with if you've never seen are the you, show. Are, okay. Are you going to spoil anything? I, I don't think so. Uh, I'm not sure. <laughs> Be- because Listen, there will be spoilers. Yeah, I, I think it's too hard. I mean, and we're this far removed from the show. It's on um, what's now called Max. B- back in the day, would have been HBO or HBO Max if you were in the in-between. Just pause this episode, 
go back, watch 76 episodes, <laughs> come back to this episode, and you're all set. Yeah. Or you can watch this or listen to this as a prequel and have some insights going into the show, and, and maybe that'll make your watching even more enjoyable. Just depends on you. Um, so, Rob, if you wouldn't mind, could you give us your quick take on Game of Thrones? Yes, I'll say this. Uh, Game of Thrones, fascinating show. Mm-hmm. Brings out the worst in humanity. Yeah. Especially, well, I won't say especially, but I'll say including the topic of racism. Mm. Just, yeah. I'll just leave it right there. I love it. And I'll pack it later. That that's a great quick take. Um, I would shit. I would shay. <laughs> this is Game of Thrones. No rules. No rules. It's my world, y'all. You listen to mixtape, yummy. I'm just playing. Um, on a show with over 150 characters, major characters. These aren't so like. Again, it's eight eight seasons, but each season you it, it, the show does a great job of of introducing new characters, new families. It, it's awesome, um, but with all these major characters, um, very few are diverse. So I would say overall, the show is not a diverse show. And when we finally see brown people, they're likely either a slave or a servant. <laughs> And with that, let's go ahead and press rewind on this episode of Mixed Take. Okay, so providing a quick overview of Game of Thrones, Michael Harriet, who penned The Black Person's Guide to Game of Thrones. If you haven't read that this article, it's fabulous. Uh, it's on theroot.com. But he says this, Game of Thrones is basically an all-encompassing analogy for white America. And then he goes on to explain um, kind of as we see different types of people in the show who they represent. But um, he explains that um, the show is essentially about white-on-white violence because of how much white people love thrones. So funny, but so true, because essentially the show is a power dynamics show of who is going to essentially rule this fictional world of Westeros that's compiled of seven different kingdoms. Um, So in the show, there's dragons and Michael Harriet purports that these dragons are um, kind of a symbol of white privilege. Um, These monsters um, that are literally called white walkers they are white people <laughs> um there's these people called wildling wildlings or free folk which he says are rednecks um there's the king's guard aka the popo um there's white people which are white people and then westeros is essentially medieval britain i if you look at a map the the map of um westeros and and essos it actually kind of looks like America and then the rest of the world, interestingly. Um, but I, I'll, I'll take medieval Britain. And then the Lannisters, which are a very powerful uh, family on the show. Um, they, you know, you meet them in season one, episode one, all the way through the last episode in season eight. And uh, he says they're like the Trumps because it seems like they're such a wealthy family, but ain't nobody ever seen their taxes. So I'm like, this is this is fabulous. And then there's a family called the Starks. They live in the north. They don't trust anybody. Outsiders, they're looking at side-eyed. They don't like the popo. He's like, they're like our distant cousins. Cause, you know, they're they're the the closest to brown people that we have in the show. Um, and, and there's a number of reasons why. But just some important facts I would say about Game of Thrones. So um fictional show set in this kind of medieval Britain-ish world. It's a fight from different families or houses uh, for leadership in Westeros. Um, Many would say that Game of Thrones is the benchmark for fantasy, or if you want to call it sci-fi, but really it's, it's a fantasy genre. It's the benchmark 
for storytelling, set design. Um, they had amazing dramatic mm. battles. Every week, it, most episodes are anywhere from 45 to 115 minutes, something like that. You're getting a, a film every week back when, when it was released. Um, and and epic. Uh, the budget was huge. Um, again, from casting to development to costume design to set design, everything was just top-notch. Um, the viewership was 30% female, 70% male, and then 70% of those who watched were between the ages of 18 and 49, which essentially meant that every guy who lives in his mom's basement watched Game of Thrones, and then there were a couple other people sprinkled in between. Um, Game of Thrones has 59 Emmy wins, second only to Saturday Night Live. And the interesting thing about SNL is uh, SNL has 82 wins, but they've been on air almost 50 years, whereas Game of Thrones only had eight seasons. So mm-hmm. comparatively, even though it's second to SNL with the you know the minimal amount of episodes, um, it's it's wild that it's even that close. Uh, some of the wins are from things like outstanding drama series, outstanding writing, outstanding directing. Uh, Peter Dinklage, who um, plays Tyrion Lannister, he took home the supporting actor uh, four times, and he's several. great. He's, he, awesome. he's a standout. In so, Rob, what what are your thoughts on on the overall the show? Well, first of all, let me say my introduction to Game of Thrones is really almost through you. Of course, I was familiar with the show, and right. uh, but streaming, I think, made it a lot more accessible. Yeah. Okay. I don't. Was there a streaming service when it first came out, or was it just straight on HBO? Man, I think it. I I I want to say it might have streamed on HBO, but it was HBO wasn't a huge streaming platform when okay. it was. Uh, you know, the first big streaming platform was like Netflix, and right, then right. others followed. So I would say it wasn't hugely popular. Okay, so it was uh, through your recommendation and and really the way you're hyping up the show right now is what you did to me. Yeah. A yeah. few years ago, and then yeah. I um. I went back and started watching it. Uh, interestingly enough, I was I was watching it by myself, and then one one evening, uh, my wife said, "Go ahead, you can you can watch it in the living room." I'm like, "I'm kind of in the middle of the show. I don't know if you want to." Yeah. She goes, "I don't care. I'll just catch up later." So I turned it on. It was the red wedding episode, and that was her first episode. To, <laughs> oh my <laughs> goodness! Do you think she was hooked, or like I don't want to watch anymore? Hooked. She was hooked. Hooked, absolutely. She went back. Oh, man. The, her philosophy, which I do not subscribe to, is I'll watch it and then I'll rewatch the, the first episodes like they're prequels. Oh, I'm not mad at that. That's actually super smart. No, she tries to do that to me, though. Like, <laughs> hey, watch this show. I'm like, no, I haven't seen the first season. You, you can watch it as, prequel. as a prequel. No, I cannot. <laughs> I'm not watching prequels. I'm done with prequels. I, her, her logic is sound. <laughs> I'm with her on this. Yeah. So anyway, um, just I got into the show. Of course, I got hooked. Of course. I will say this, though. Just yeah. I need to push back just a little bit because my, my heart beats with, um, with Tolkien that, mm. that Lord of the Rings is the foundation that, that mm. Game, of, Game of Thrones is built on. Okay, okay. That's it. That's it. I give I'm giving Game of Thrones all of its credit because mm-hmm. it does take Lord of the Rings and slaps it with depravity. Mm. Yeah. In a, in a more more realistic way. Yeah. It's yeah. a more realistic feeling. Yeah. Uh, whereas in in a lot of ways, honestly, I think Game of Thrones feels very biblical. Hmm. As I read yeah. the book of Judges the kings oh yeah yeah it gets like if Dark you turn those fast. into tv episodes yes that's game of thrones yes yes so humanity's depravity is on full display yeah but i think wh- whenever i'm watching anything where depravity is just highlighted um it makes those who are doing the right thing just shine all the more and so when I watched mm-hmm. those shows, 
I definitely I get inspired to think, okay, there's always hope, even in the worst kind of situations. Now, of course, the show's br- br- uh, br- why can't I say that word? Brilliantly. Brilliantly? Thank you. Oh. I'm getting tongue-tied. Written, and it is, um, you know, in terms of dialogue, mm-hmm. plot, all of that is great. Yeah. So you you do get hooked. Um, but, yeah. That's an interesting um, line that you've drawn between Lord of the Rings and Game of Thrones. And when you listen to uh, George Martin talk about who's the writer of Game of Thrones, uh, talk about George R. R. Martin. And you know that's right. not actually his name. That's an that's an homage okay. to J. R. R. Tolkien. That is awesome. But I was gonna say, in most of his interviews, he will almost always reference. Uh, Lord of the Rings, so reference token. Yeah, but, but in Lord of the Rings, um, <laughs> Aragorn, Aragorn, and uh, he rules nobly for the rest of his life, and and uh, that's not realistic. So I wanted, I want to put realism into this. Uh. Well, he likens himself to J.R.R. Tolkien, and he says like, um, "Why are there so many white people?" Well, it's because we're white guys writing what we know, and yeah. so when you're from a place and you write what you know maybe that place isn't diverse and he's like for us it wasn't a, a very diverse place so yeah i'm like uh, you know i it's it's an interesting untake where it's like oh okay you know you, you, we do write what we know we write maybe from experience or from what we've seen or you know something like that so i think that's a good segue let's let's get into that a little bit more because i think um there's there's more of that to unpack so um let's press play So, Rob, how are people of color portrayed on Game of Thrones? I'm going to start backwards here with this, the prequel, mm-hmm. the more recent series, House of the Dragon. Yeah. And I see that, I see a parallel with, with the Lord of the Rings, to go back to the Lord of the, Lord of the Rings, uh, with the show Rings of Power. Mm-hmm. You're, you, you've drawn the connection already. Uh, J.R.R. Tolkien and George R.R. Martin are writing in a world that they're familiar with. They grew up learning about King Arthur. They grew up Mm -hmm. learning about... Robin Hood. Yes. Mm -hmm. All of these British and European uh, mythologies. And they're building their imagination upon that. What is interesting is that both Game of Thrones... I'm sorry... Both, both House of the Dragon and the Rings of Power are going back in time, but they're intentionally adding diversity into the mix. Mm. So when I think about how, how color is portrayed in, in Game of Thrones, I see that there's a huge absence mm-hmm. in the actual show. Mm-hmm. And, and you've alluded to this already that when you see people of color in Game of Thrones, they're usually in, well, no, they're always mm-hmm. in positions of... Servile positions. Yeah, just portrayed in, in, in that inferior, they're like an inferior... Um, people. People. Yeah. And uh, in Lord of the Rings, there's, there's more of an absence of people of color, but when you go to the prequels... Mm-hmm. It, there's like there's a, a a course correction. Yeah. It also begs the question: What happened to all those people of color, right? When, but um, I think um, I'm not hating. Yeah. On the idea that Game of Thrones itself understood, okay, we have a diversity problem. Yeah. Yeah. You know, one of the um, I think really important things, like you mentioned, is that course correction piece. Mm-hmm. Is like okay. There's an understanding here of um, maybe where we started from, with which is again J.R.R. Tolkien or George R.R. R. Martin's framework, um, and then maybe where we could be. So I know some people really came from the the angle of like, oh well, this is supposed to be like medieval Britain, and so you need to like stay true to the story. Um, and stay true to the historical references. And it's like, wait, historical references? Like, yeah. there's dragons, <laughs> there's ice zombies. Like, there's no historical anything. This is a completely 
fantasaical world. So it's not like let's argue for we're being historical, and so historical Britain was all white people. Yeah, and and by the way, this even more than than Lord of the Rings. I might be ignorant here, so you can correct me. But Lord of the Rings was kind of created in 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 kind of a he's he's kind of recreating a mythology for Europe. Mm-hmm. I don't think Game of Thrones is supposed to be our planet, is it? Well, J.R.R. Martin will will lobby for Westeros being akin to Great Britain. Okay. Yeah. But is it Earth? I I think he would say yes. Hmm. Interesting. Yeah, because in his mind he's drawing from his experiences and his the stories that he grew up on, he names Robin Hood, he ma- names uh, King Arthur. I guess my question is the Lannisters are there descendants in our in our world today according to his mythology. That's a that's a great whereas, question. Whereas I think Middle Earth is supposed to be ancient yeah. Europe. And then when the magic dies, eventually we get to those old medieval stories and then a mythology. Yeah. 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 Uh, yeah I, I, that's, a, I, that's a great question for, for George R.R. Martin. And I think he would say, yes, there are Lannisters and they're called Trumps now. Okay. <laughs> 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 we got the Trump family. Yes, <laughs> they are the because I mean I mean even in um, like the way Westeros and Esso looks, it looks like the the world that we live in. Okay, and even with the the southern like sand states, I mean that could be Antarctica easily. Mm-hmm. You know, so I think he would make a logical. Com- uh, line there. Um, so, of all the the black and brown people on Game of Thrones um, that had lead or major support roles, who were your favorites? And I have some listed out for us. You're not gonna like my answers because they're 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 pretty standard. Tame. Yeah, they're pretty standard. Okay, I mean, okay. of course, of course, uh, Miss Endy okay. is it you know rises to the top, and of course, um, Grey Worm. Okay. Th- yeah. Those two uh, probably get the most screen time. They're probably yeah. the most developed. Yeah. Um, they have they have arcs. Yeah. And there's tragic. You know, they go they go from points where you, mm. you think there's hope, and then there's points of, of tragedy. Mm-hmm. Um. Yeah. So. Yeah. For me, it it is it is mainly them. Um, yeah. I like the Dothraki. Oh yeah, I think that they're kind of cool, but at the same time, yeah, pretty brutal, pretty savage. Yeah. But For our viewers and listeners, uh, explain a little bit of who Missandei and Grey Worm and the Dothraki are. Well, the Dothraki are a. Now I'm not going into the deep lore here because I don't remember fully, but they are a kind of a savage mm-hmm. people, and uh, they play a, a crucial part in the story because uh, this is where. Uh, Daenerys Targaryen um, starts to build kind of her her yeah. people. Yeah, is through the Dothraki people, mm-hmm. but they're but they are more of a Hawaii, like maybe like a uh, um, a Pacific Islander kind of feel. Yeah. I know even Native American, Native American. Yeah. I know Jason Momoa is is kind of their yeah. their king or their chief oh. or I'm not sure a leader. Their yeah, leader. they call him a Cal, I think Cal yeah. Drago, and. Um, but the way that they interact with with each other seems pretty aggressive. Mm-hmm. And um, um, with that being said, there's still some part. They're they're still, in my opinion, kind of a cool people group. Oh man! If they're if the end of the world comes, I want them on my team. I'm like picking them first. Them or the Unsullied. I, I'll go. That's a close one too. They're. They're the baddest the unsu- warriors. Sullied, yeah, and that's Grey Worm. And, um, mm-hmm. Yeah, what's – they're like an army that was uh, – Like castrated at birth, really like bred to be warriors. Like that's the only thing that they've ever learned is to eat, sleep, and drink. Fighting, war, they have no fear. They're kind of born, bred to be – and genetically <laughs> engineered to just be the baddest warriors. Now, Masendi becomes the queen's, like... Oh, like chief of staff. Okay. (laughs) I don't know, her right-hand woman. Like, she's the main advisor, probably. Okay. Yeah. 
and what's her background again? So, so Miss Ayende, she was born in Nath, which is in the, the Southern Isles. They're known to be like a very peaceful people. If you can just, you know, imagine like the nicest people ever. Um, well, um, the rich people in Essos. So there's really kind of three major parts of the Game of Thrones world. There's Westeros in the west, Essos in the east, and then the Southern Isles. Um, so um, Miss Allende was stolen essentially from her home in the Southern Isles in, in Noth and brought to Essos to be a slave. And so that's where uh, Daenerys, who is trying to essentially work up her muscle so that she can go back to Westeros and, and take um, the, the throne. Um, she's building an army, and that's where she meets Miss Ayende, Okay, who's like an interpreter, but super smart and savvy and um, just a, a really kind of intelligent wo woman. I think you mentioned this before about uh, Latin women, but I, I also find it interesting that the Latin man in mm. this show, mm -hmm. Oberyn Martell is his character's yes. name, Oberyn? Oberyn, yes, exactly. Uh, 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 played by Pedro Pascal. Uh -huh. And his character is really interesting, but he is kind of an over-sexualized kind of person as well. Oh, my goodness. I And, and you know, write to us, tweet us, like tell us if we're wrong. But it's so interesting to me that a lot of times – when there's Latinos cast into roles. The Latin lover. Yeah. It's it's this over-dramatized characterization of Latinos that is so unfair. I mean, are we beautiful? <laughs> <Duh>. <laughs> Our people are gorgeous. We get it. Uh, but, you know, again, the, the over-sexualized uh, nature of how Latinos are portrayed in film. And, again, like not just that's a great point it's not just the women it's the men too Oberyn he plays I mean his role is awesome he plays a prince from uh, Dorne one of the seven kingdoms his performance is great phenomenal like the character that he plays the performance that he gives all of it is wonderful but again that over sexualized element is just there's one scene with him that really made my eyes pop out is it the last scene? Oh, no, I'm sorry. Oh! His eyes pop out. I'm sorry. Wait. <laughs> this is terrible. Oh, my goodness. I've, I've got to say, for me, one of my favorites, of course, uh, is um, Cal Drago, played by Jason Momoa, Cal. who you referenced earlier. His time on the show isn't super long, but, man, he gives such a great performance. Absolutely loved him. Um, who another was Oberyn Martell for me was another standout. I thought Pedro Pascal did such an awesome job with the role. He handled it so well, so incredibly believable. Who, who's the lady that plays his wife? Um, her name is Indira Varma. She played Alaria Sand. Yeah, she did a great she did a great job, job as well. Yeah, yeah, yeah. There there were so many people that were standouts in the show. As yeah, they, those were they were. Phenomenal. We Same. could say the people of color that are in the show are amazing. They're awesome. <laughs> they're, they're fabulous. And they do bring with them a, a different type of culture to the show. But again, you know, because each um, house and each family, they have their oomph. They have their thing. And we'll, we'll talk in, in just a little bit about house words and... Um, and uh, the sigils for, for each of the houses and, and how that represents them. But it is interesting that for the Martells, um, both Oberyn and Ilaria, they, they did a really great job bringing a Dornish culture to Game of Thrones that was different than what we had previously seen. So uh, for those who would say, um, and they would contend for the need that these roles be filled by white people to maintain that historical accuracy that we talked about earlier. Um, what would you say to those individuals? So I believe that representation needs to happen when it makes sense. So I'm just going to step back and I'm going to awesome. give some grace. I'm not going to go hard on Game of Thrones here. Um, 
I love when I see diversity. It doesn't take me out of it. So when I'm watching House of the Dragon, I'm not really pulled out of it mm-hmm. so much. Um, I do ask a couple of questions. Where did all the black people go by the time mm. getting But anyway, um, but in terms of just the story itself, it works. It fits. Game of Thrones, if the idea was to create a world, a male-dominated world where women struggle to gain respect, um, I understand that. Even if, if subconsciously he's writing it as a commentary of, of society because I feel like he's not endorsing it. Um, I feel like there's a lot of critique in, in kind of how the story is being told, even how people of color are being treated. Yeah. So I think it can serve the plot. Um, it doesn't have to be, like, Game of Thrones didn't need to be the Lannisters were black people and, and um, you know, the Starks were Latino or anything like that. Uh, I think about, like, for instance, the, the movie Hillbilly Elegy. I know it's talking about it's that movie takes place in a very specific part of the Appalachian region in the United States. Wait, you said hillbilly what? Elegy. I've never seen this. No, you should check it out. I is I think it's mm, is it Apple TV Plus or is it I can't remember the streaming service right now. Um Netflix. Netflix, okay. Okay. Huh, okay. Yeah, that's Curious. a good one. It's um Amy Adams, right? This is uh, <laughs> Haley Bet. Oh yeah, Amy Adams. Amy Adams. Yeah. Um. Oh yes. Okay. Yes, it's a very white movie. <laughs> I was gonna but, say. But but it needs to be. I think Frida yeah. P- uh, Frida Pinto's in it. Okay. Okay, and she is like the only uh, woman of color, okay. and and I love her. She's great, and she was great in it. Yeah. So th- that's fine. But I understand the story is trying to tell a story of people in that region. As, and so I don't have any beef. Like it needs to be more diverse. Right. George R. R. Martin created a world, and maybe subconsciously, mm-hmm. created a, a a white and male dominated or yeah, mm. a white male dominated world. Because mm-hmm. that's the world I, he sees and knows and the, lives. Yeah, in. yeah. As a commentary. But what I do appreciate, if there's any redeeming value to the show, is that that commentary is not an approval, mm. but it is, uh, it's more of a critique yeah. of this is what happens mm. when one group of people dominates the power mm. and how men are, are, are likely to abuse that power, not a, not just against people of other um, races and ethnicities, but even against women. Mm. So the women are struggling, and the show I think has us rooting for the women. Yes. Even even Cersei. Like there are times where where I was rooting for Cersei. Yeah. Yeah. Um. And definitely for Daenerys. Yeah. Okay. And of course, you're rooting for for Sansa uh-huh. and mm-hmm. Arya. Mm-hmm. Like, you love these characters, mm-hmm. these women. There's, there are a lot of women that, that I think rise up to the occasion yes. to, to be heroic. Mm-hmm. With that being said, I have to think, even though I don't think he did this on purpose intentionally to say, I'm going to expose mm. the world. He's trying to write something realistic, and this is kind of just what flew what kind of what flowed out of his uh, mind and heart and so well again i don't think he's trying to make a huge statement here i think that he is accurately capturing as i said before and i'm just going to keep saying it the depravity of man mm-hmm. and what happens when that depravity goes Left to unchecked. Our own devices. exactly oh man that is so good you know i will say one thing that i was struck by in Rewatching the show this past time was the development of the female hero, the heroine. Seeing these strong, powerful, smart, savvy women take what the world threw at them, which I think every person who walks this planet will 
will experience some type of heartache, disappointment, some level of tragedy, loss, heartache. And so the, the, the characters in Game of Thrones are absolutely no different. They experience their traumas. And what's highlighted is these particular main characters, they rise from the ashes and they learn and they grow and they're so resilient and they they use the the flames to come out stronger like mm-hmm. literally it's, it's not for for one character particularly it's not a metaphor she literally um enters the fire and comes out just stronger and more powerful literally because of the flames there's like miracles that happen and Miracles? Yeah, magic. there's there's they definitely a supernatural element or, yeah, like a magical. Yeah. yeah magical might be the better word for that um, element yeah, to, yeah. to some of it. Mm-hmm. Then I'll, my, my la- the last thing I'll say, and this is, I guess, me defending George R. R. Martin. Mm-hmm. One thing that I do appreciate is that not every white man is selfish, mm-hmm. ruthless. Mm-hmm. Um, you see some very noble Yes. White men. That's okay. Um, And nobody's a perfect character. So I think of Mm -hmm. Tyrion, for -hmm. instance. Mm -hmm. Tyrion is not a perfect character, Mm -hmm. but there's a nobility to him or noble Mm -hmm. or whatever the right word is. Like, um, you can see that he cares. You can even see an arc in Jaime Lannister. Mm -hmm. Um, and, And you can see there's a softness in his own heart. Of course, the different Starks. Um, John Snow himself. We haven't mentioned John Snow yet, but I'm still mad at that dude. I can't even talk about it. Carry on. He did what he had to do. <laughs> right. He didn't have to do it. And watching it this time around, <laughs> I was like, oh my goodness. He says he says at one point to Tyrion, "Did we do the right thing?" And Tyrion says, "Ask me. Ask me in ten years." Yeah, like that's a cop out. <laughs> what I appreciate appreciate about him he's not a guy that will stab you in the back i mean he'll stab you in the front (laughs) also the women like he he empowers certain women Mm -hmm. but not every woman uses that power for good Mm -hmm. and let's just be real the last couple seasons were not fully his Right. You know, those yeah. those those are the showrunners. Uh, Benioff and Weiss were yeah. We're kind of doing their own. We're the, you know, I think they're taking a skeleton of his ideas and fleshing it out in a in a way that is less desirable. Whatever. I don't ha- yeah. actually have a super strong take on the ending, but yeah. the people of color. Mm-hmm. Some are noble, they're rising up mm-hmm. and um overcoming and then some are not great mm-hmm. people. I think he balances that out. Mm-hmm. To say that there is good and corruption, there's a broken system, and um, it's all trying to coexist in this show, uh, much like the messiness of, of life. Mm-hmm. Well, actually, I think he might be shedding light on the fact that the system works as it's meant to. However, Daenerys mm. says this, okay. we need to smash the wheel. So this this cycle was set up to work in a certain way to keep, you know, people in their positions of power and influence uh but Daenerys is 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 the one throughout the entire show that is saying how what is set up shouldn't be this is not how how things ought to be and so she starts out in Essos essentially running for her life and as she's making her way back to Westeros to take back the throne She's setting people free along the way and is like, this isn't how we're going to do things anymore where there's masters and slaves. Although one running theme throughout the en- entire show also is um, Valar, Valar de Harris and then Valar Mar- Margurus, which is... Oh, nice pronunciation. Op- <laughs> I don't even think I said that right, but it's... Margurus. <laughs> Valar Mar- Margulis? Mar- Mar- Gandules. Did I say it right? Yes. You're just speaking a bunch of gibberish there. Yes. And I was just like, yeah. I don't know. Donnie, Donnie is in full nerd mode right now. This is. I am. This is me geeking out. This is me, like, 
after an episode of Mandalorian, I turned I turned to uh, to my wife and I start saying some stuff, and she's like, "Stop! She doesn't understand what I'm saying." No mess. Frustrated, like one sentence in, so I'm like, "All right." But but what's fascinating? Valar de Hyrus is all men must serve, and then Valar Morgulis, which is they're both High Valyrian, um, is all men must die. And so there's this principle of even if you're ruling, you're still serving. And even if you're serving or ruling, like no matter where you are, you're going to die. Like that's, you know, 100% of people serve, 100% of people die. Which, which the only question then remains, who are you going to be serving? And when you die, what is the legacy or the imprint that you leave on the world, which is such a human experience. Like, no matter what color the character or where they're from or what accent they have or whatever, the show did a wonderful job of bringing every human into the story because, again, we all experience pain. We all experience heartache. We all know the pain of death, or if we don't know it, we are going to know it. Um, and we know that to some degree or another, there is this element of service in our life, whether it's to family or friends or at work or whatever. We give our time and our energy to something, for something. So it, it, it's, it's just um, a, a very awesome show, in my opinion. So with that, we'll go ahead and press fast forward on this episode of What would having people of color cast into lead roles mean in shows like Game of Thrones? That's a good question. Before I, before I answer that question, I wanted to address one more thing that um, Jacob Anderson, who played Grey Worm, um, said in an interview. He was uh, speaking about he and Natalie, I forget her last name, who played um, Miss Sandy. Oh, uh, Natalie Emmanuel. Natalie Emanuel. And he says and there's a complaint I think sometimes that there are no there are no black people in Game of Thrones. Mm-hmm. Okay, that's that's been said. And he says, Natalie and I, we have seen those conversations. It's not lost on us. I want to have a thoughtful conversation about it. I saw an article the other day that was basically like there are no black people in Game of Thrones, which I can understand where that impulse comes from. But Natalie and I do get erased from the conversation quite a lot, which sucks. Mm. And so Mm. even as I think about that question, um, which is a valid question and and we need to think about diversity um, in the process as we do it with this and in other properties as well, Mm -hmm. just recognize those who are actually in the show or in the movie or whatever you're watching and, and um, understanding that um, there, there are probably a lot of obstacles for them mm. in the process of making something like this to begin with. Mm-hmm. Um, but to answer your question, and your question was what would having them, having people of color cast into lead roles mean um, in, in Game of Thrones? Well, I would say Again, I'm okay with with the decision of of how the characters were written and cast. Mm-hmm. But let's just say, for instance, Cersei, mm-hmm. Cersei Lannister. Yeah. Let's say the Lannisters are black. Do we then have a problem with Cersei's a terrible person? If you have not watched the show, she's a terrible person. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> she. You you pity her at times, but for the most part, you 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 grow to hate her. Mm-hmm. If she was a person of color, we would grow to hate that person of color. Yeah, unless we're talking about rewriting the entire show mm. and and creating different characters. With that being said, I don't I don't feel that that huge weight on my shoulders to. Or, or as I watch it, I don't feel that that ickiness of like, man, the show's trying to erase, mm-hmm. erase uh, people because, um, 
I think there is somewhat of of a critique of 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 white people in power. Mm-hmm. So if the show had let's say the Starks for instance, what if they were um a minority group? I would be fine. I think I would just watch the show and I would never even think anything of it. Mm-hmm. I've never read the book so I'm not a purist. Right. And I would be fine. So as I watch House of the Dragon, like I said, it does it does not bother me. Mm-hmm. It looks cool. I I love the diversity. I think looks cool. Mm-hmm. I agree. Um I I love be, and and I think maybe because it does feel different to see a black man with dreads in that royal garb with power and authority. Mhm as an equal among his white counterparts. Mm -hmm. So I like that. Yeah. His white family. His white fam. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. Mm -hmm. And so I'm, I'm good with that. However, for the storytelling of game of Thrones, I'm mostly, I'm sure I will go back and say, yeah, that's, that feels a little cringe or, or whatever. I'm mostly okay with the decisions made because I think they serve, they stir, they serve that overall story. Yeah. Of yeah. it's not a white savior story. It's not oh all the white people are 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 great and noble. Mm-hmm. So, what would it mean to cast people, brown people, into these lead roles? What would it mean to you? And do you care? Do you care if shows just continue? They don't course correct. They they continue with. No, this is medieval Britain, and so it's a uh, you know a ninety. If it's mu- if it's cast. if it's medieval Britain, I'm okay with it being white. Okay, but this is not medieval Britain, so I would like to see more diversity. I'm excited for the other genres, as we've already mentioned, Star Wars and Lord of the Rings, mm-hmm. doing this as well, adding mm-hmm. diversity. It excites me. So, so yeah. yes, I do love it. Yeah, I'm trying to play both <laughs> both sides right now, <laughs> uh-huh. uh, but more diversity, I think, would be awesome. I mean. Yeah. Pedro Pascal was the only like the only Latino in the entire show and and yeah. um I think maybe not but he's the one uh, only uh, one I can remember off the top of my head. Lead a lead role. Lead yes, role. he is the only one. And that I'm I'm aware of also. And I was and I was drawn to him and mm-hmm. just because I love him as an actor, but I Same. love him as an actor. There's a part of me that yeah. that loves him just because I love to see Latinos excelling in and in, in their art. Yeah. Yeah. So that that representation means something to me. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I would uh, completely agree. I I'm not mad at Game of like, and no way does this you know what we've we've talked about in this conversation take away from my love of the show. I still think that this and and we'll 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 get to my thoughts on the show, but um, it doesn't take away any of my love for the show or my affinity for it or, you know, will I watch it in its entirety once a year for the rest of my life? Probably. <laughs> or maybe once, at least once every other year for sure. Like, it's it's just such a great show. But what would it mean to me to see more people that look like us on shows? I think it would mean the world to to be able to see people that look like you, maybe sound like you, eat the same foods as you, have the same flag hanging in their house as you. It goes such a long way. And um, there's a, a show on Netflix called They Clone Tyrone uh, with John Boyega and many others. Um, uh, Jamie Foxx uh, is also on the show. Fabulous, fa- it's not a show, sorry, it's a film. Fabulous film. Amazing story, super funny dialogue, interesting, kind of a, a, a different spin and take on an older film. You know, So it's like, okay, this story has been said before, but this is really funny. These actors are awesome, and it's a different take on the story. Um, but I love seeing black and brown people cast into these roles, telling these stories in different ways for a new audience. Um, and I, I want to see more of it. Yeah, I uh, agree. You know, seeing, again, our stories um, told from our perspective and not having to see people in these caricature um, 
displays these over-sexualized Latino, the like, you know, let's let's see us as doctors and lawyers and teachers because that's essentially what we are. So going going back to to the show just for a sec. Um, this is kind of a more fun, light question for you. But what was your favorite house? And for those of you that are not familiar with Game of Thrones, there are different houses. Essentially, they're um, privileged. They're older. Some of them go back thousands of years. And their triumphs are told in songs and in books and, and all the things. So for you, Rob, who's your fave? easy it's the Lannisters no um <laughs> I, I wouldn't be mad at that isn't everybody doesn't everybody gravitate toward the Starks that's listen Ned Stark Sansa wait what's her um Sansa thank you Sansa yeah. uh-huh. um Arya they had all the fun people um yeah Rob yeah. and uh of course Jon Snow is, is part of that mm-hmm. mix as well um, so they had the wolves. They did. Yeah, they the were wolves. they were the coolest. They were the coolest. They they're they're cool. also the, the the people who are they seem to have the best moral compass. Mm-hmm. Not always making the best decisions, of course. Mm-hmm. Um, the mother, kind of shady. Yeah. Oh. At times. The mom. Yeah, she did not make the best decisions. Um, but. For the most part, if I was, if I had to live as a servant, because I, I mean, I don't know what else I could live like. I don't know what else I could be in that world. I think with my skin color, I have to either be a servant or savage or something. So let's just say I'm a servant. I would serve them. That is amazing that you just accepted that. I want to fight. I want to be. I will. I will. You will what? I'll gain their trust and then I'll. Oh. I'll yeah. This is Game of Thrones. Okay. I don't just sit back. Okay. Little Finger up in here. That's right. Little Finger is a, is a powerful character as well. I, Shady. I, I am not. No, I will not be that. <laughs> but it's almost like in this world, you kind of have to be. Yeah. Like, in order to be anything, you got to just do the grimiest stuff. It's wild. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go House Targaryen. And this is because I love Daenerys, and I think they did my girl wrong in the last season. I, I, I don't agree with the 50% ending. 50% of that house mm-hmm. sucks right off the bat. Sucks? Oh. <laughs> There's only two of them, aren't there? <laughs> Three. The Night's Watch. Aegon. Aegon Targaryen. He's the maester. You're right. So 33%. about him. 33% was terrible. Yes. But you're right. <laughs> they, they, they were some crazy people. That, but there's some crazy people in all the houses. Maybe. Not like that. I uh, know, <laughs> not like that. They especially. But Daenerys. Daenerys is my girl. That she, she came from, I mean, I mean, I mean, she had the brother that she had, and she s- still survived. Maybe it's, that was. Yeah, yeah. It's a good thing that none of that trauma, you know, affected her. Later. <laughs> Way later. She she's she's a bad mama Gemma and I my affections are for her. I mean, if I was like really, you know, who House Stark, of course. I mean, they have the best story arc in the in They're the Gryffindor you know. of Westeros. Oh my goodness, of course. If you had a house, uh what would your sigil be and what would your house words be? Oh my goodness, I have zero clue. Um, I know this is a hard sigil. Yeah. Was that like like your logo? Um. So like okay. So it would be okay. It would be. I would there'd be a a blue triangle. Okay. Okay. With a singular star. (laughs) There'd be red and white stripes coming out of it, (laughs) and then a cocky smack dab in the middle. This is the Puerto Rican flag, essentially. That would be, <laughs> that would be my. I'm with, I'm with it. Sigil. <laughs> and then your house words would be. Wepa. <laughs> wepa, wepa, wepa. <laughs> that would be. 
is the best answer I've ever heard. <laughs> this is awesome. These I are the it. answers you get when you ca- catch me off guard. I love it. <laughs> I love it. And with that. No. What, oh, okay. <laughs> I'm going to ask you because I know you want. I don't want to be asked. So <laughs> I don't what wa- would your house <laughs> sigil be? And your catchphrase or whatever. Your t- motto. No, I don't want to be asked. I asked you, and that was it. <laughs> I don't know. I can't. You're this. That was the perfect answer. <laughs> There's. Oh my goodness. I I do not know. I mean, it would probably either be something with the Puerto Rican flag, or really the Chicago flag is pretty dope too, with the four stars. Um, man, my words. Oh gosh, I have no idea. Uh. What do we say with mixed take? What's our uh, what's our catchphrase here? Providing a mixed take on entertainment. That's, that would that's, be your house. No, it okay. wouldn't. I don't know. My house words. Yikes. Mm, I gotta think about that. We'll come back to it. Okay. Let me. Let me. Uh, and with that, it is time to press pause and reflect on points that have stuck out to us or some takeaways and so i have a question for you is as we as we press pause is game of thrones the best show ever man is game of thrones the best show ever no oh no you thought i would say yes yes it's one i mean it's maybe not it's one of the best i don't really know what the best is and i'm hesitant to just put it on the throne oh I would say some other shows that rival. This one is is a little bit of a stretch, but however, I do love it, so I have not rewatched it. So it might not actually hold up very well. But Battlestar Galactica, 2004. No. Have you ever seen Battlestar Galactica? Back in the day. The 2000s, not the the old 1980s or 70s or whatever. Battlestar Galactica, 2004? Yeah, this is exactly what I thought it was. What? That show is great. Bruh. Are you kidding me? I mean, it was a good show, but the best of all time? Time out. Stop. I didn't say it was the best of all time. Wait, I that's said, what we're talking about. I the said, best show ever. What I said was there are other great shows like that one. Or if I, if, even if I go animated, Avatar The Last Airbender. Oh, no. Amazing. Amazing. Um. You know, I love Star Wars, so I'm, I'm going to have to go Clone Wars or Rebels are also great shows. I understand they're animated. It's really hard to compare that to Game of Thrones. Got it. Um, I think Stranger Things is also an amazing series. Great show. Great show. So these are all great. The best If ever? I step out of, out of genre, though, like mm. Breaking Bad is an incredible show. Great show. Better the Call best? Saul. Breaking uh, Bad? Maybe. The, it, great show, hands down. Maybe. Top 50 for sure. The Best Office? Ever. <sighs> Top can, I, 10. can I throw comedies in here? Yeah. It's, it's, I mean. Good night. Maybe it is The Office. Family Ties? No, I'm just kidding. Uh, <laughs> I mean, top uh, The Office, that's a, that's a great one. Parks and Rec. There's, Friends, there, maybe Top 20. I would say so as well. I've never seen it. You've never seen Friends? Isn't that funny? Oh. HBO. I've seen episodes. No, I'm not looking to catch up. I've seen episodes and things. It's just no, it's a good show. It's it's worth the watch. Weird weird shows that I've never seen were, are like Friends. And like I've only seen episodes of Friends and I've only seen episodes of Seinfeld. Oh, Seinfeld's another good one. I mean, I wouldn't put it up there as the best ever, but. Some people might. Good entertainment. Game might. of Thrones is super epic. So in that sense, it is probably the most epic show. I've ever seen. Ever. Probably. Okay. Show. Show. We'll take it. Show. All right. That's awesome. I don't know if it is the best. Yeah, I don't know if I can say that. Hmm. Aren't you aren't you gonna ask me? (laughs) Donnie. (laughs) Which show in your head is better than Game of Thrones? Man, there I, I I can't think of a single one. I mean, again, like can we talk about awesome shows that are out there? 
Apple TV has a ton of really good shows. Yeah, Apple TV doesn't have a show that competes with Game of Thrones. I'll admit that. It doesn't have a show that competes. That is for darn sure. But there are some really great shows, some good storytelling. See the morning good. show. Great. Those are great. Uh, there's there's a, there's a bunch of oh Severance. I'm a, I'm an show. Apple TV show. Like, enthusiast yes i love their shows are great <sighs> same loot if you if y'all haven't seen loot that one i have not oh it's so good oh you will really like it it's so great it's it's about uh wait uh, that is that the one no that's not the one with aubrey plaza is it no, no it's no. with um uh, maya rudolph okay i know what you're talking about i have not seen and michaela j rodriguez it's okay. super good. Okay. Um, but anyway, so are there are there great um, film uh, shows out there? Absolutely. But for me, I think uh, Game of Thrones is is the goat, and it it takes it takes the cake for me. This is the show is boiled down to cripples, cripples, bastards, oh. and broken things. Oh, <laughs> why isn't it higher on my list then? <laughs> Give me some more bastards. The, it's, it's, that's like the show bo- summed up despite the lack of diversity I would say what makes this show so relatable um, is that we find in all the characters just this again brokenness this overwhelming humanity that is so familiar um, the Starks they they take the deplorable, deplorable things of life the most tragic awful things that one can do to another person and they come out stronger. So it's such, uh, I don't know, in me it just creates such like this love for some of these characters. Again, the story arc I think is pretty phenomenal. The ending is super disappointing, but I don't mind being disappointed in this show because the show is full of disappointments. It's full of triumphs and like awesome stuff too, but I just really enjoy the, I like being surprised, and it's hard for me to be surprised in most shows or films because so, certain things are just like you expect something to happen and then it's gonna happen. With Game of Thrones, it's do all not, about the unexpected. Yeah, do not get attached to anybody. One hundred percent. So this is where we press stop. We press Dracarys and. <laughs> Now our watch has ended. My watch has ended. Thank you so much for joining us for making it to the end of this podcast. Yes. You stuck with us Congrats. through this uh, very in-depth. Thank you for the in-depth coverage of, of Game of Thrones. And thank you for your insightful comments and thoughts. This is fun. I don't know anybody's name, but yeah. <laughs> <laughs> There's so many. 150 major characters. That's wild. Yes. Join us next time as we continue to weave our way through the diversity in these nerdy stories. If you enjoyed this episode, please give us five stars. An Apple Podcasts or a review is great. Anything. Uh, we'll, we're, we're beggars. Give us give us everything okay. you've got. Yeah. Just a little bit. A little something. Also, Head open, or head, I'm sorry, let me start. <laughs> head open. This is Game head of open. Thrones. Heads are opening. <laughs> Guts are <We> spilling. Are. <laughs> head over okay. to worldoutspoken.com, a site preparing the Mestizo Church for cultural change, where you'll find information on consulting services, thought-provoking blog posts, and great podcasts, such as Mixed Take. Oh, wait, that's ours. Sorry. Hey. The feature, questions from from the pew, La Ventanita, the Mestizo Podcast, a show for the mixed people of the mixed church. Also, head over to World Outspoken and grab some swag. Get yourself a hoodie or some stickers for your water bottle, journals, all types of stuff. Do they have like their own Jordan? They should. The Well Outspoken Jordan? No? Yeah. <laughs> the, the Rickies? Exactly. Yeah, yeah, that's what that. I want. Also, follow us on Instagram and Facebook at Mixtake. You can also follow Rob on Twitter at Rob Riv, that's R O V I V. On X, what's it's called. Twitter X. 
And you can follow me at Donnie Jack, D-O-N-I-J-A-C. Special thanks to our producer, Rich Hertz Hato. And also thanks to Emmanuel Badia and the World Outspoken crew. We hope you join us again as we continue to dive into the nerdy part of the world of culture, influencing, entertainment. Until next time, cut. It's a wrap. <laughs> <laughs>